Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. We are looking at the gospel lesson for the 20th Sunday after Pentecost, and it comes to us from St. Luke chapter 18, and it is another parable that our Lord teaches us. And this one is a very humbling and very interesting text because it's hard not to see yourself in this. And with that, it's always we always need to be cautious to make sure that we are not uh, centralizing the parables only on us. Like, um, you know, the, the parable where Jesus talks about the man who sells everything for the pearl that he found in the field. And we quickly look at that and say, oh, we must sell everything for the gospel. We must do everything for Jesus. When in fact, that whole parable is about what God gives for you. He sells everything. That is Jesus going to the cross and giving of himself so that you will be bought at a great price. So again, when we look at parables, we need to see what is God doing for us? What are we receiving? What are we participating? How is God acting in this text? And for this one, it's like I said, it's real easy to see ourselves in this because of what's happening. It is the parable of the Pharisee praying next to a tax collector, next to a, a sinner, and the difference in what they are praying for, their attitude, motivation. And like I said, it's easy to, to identify with, well, one or the other, and we'll see. So Jesus tells this parable. And even the introduction lays out what the point of the parable is about. So, uh, verse 9 of chapter 18 of St. Luke, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. And I love this because this is just self-righteousness. And on the onset, this is where I start to personalize this for the simple fact that how often do we look at scriptures, look at doctrine, look at church, look at the things we believe, the things we understand, and we make them our own. Now, that is a good thing. The scriptures are my scriptures. Doctrine is my doctrine. The confessions of the church are my confessions. And what I mean by that is to have ownership or possession on them. I am saying that the word of God is mine. I didn't do it. It's not something I earned. It's not something that I worked for. But the scriptures, the confessions, the doctrine, the liturgy, the acts of the church, when, when I claim them, it is this participation, it is this uh, understanding, this is where I find my hope, my 
peace, my mercy. This is where I find God, because this is where he said that he would be. He would use his word, his sacraments. He would use prayer. He would use these gifts that he has given to us to be seen, to be known, to be found. And so I love to say mine. And again, it's not an ownership of like I have done this or it's something that I get to do. It is where I find God. And because that's what he has offered, that is what he promises to do. And so again, this is relationship. Now right there, that's good. We should claim this is my Bible, this is my church, my you know, so on and so forth. But again, it's not like we own it or it's ours in the sense that we paid for it and we now get to do whatever we want with it. That that is the wrong relationship, and that is where it actually gets into the self-righteousness. Uh, when I, we look at the gifts of even something as uh, mundane as our bodies, this is my body, so I get to do what I want to do with it. I'll treat it how I wish to treat it. Uh, we are culturally, we're struggling in that with the whole LBGTQ plus situation. We're claiming things that are ours and doing what we feel. And again, that is not what God, or that's not why God gifts us with body, with creation, so on and so forth. That's a, that's a rabbit hole for another time. But just that whole self-righteousness and then looking upon others with contempt. And we can do this uh, so easily on so many levels. And so the actual parable begins in, in verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And so you have two guys doing what they're supposed to do. They're going to church. And we hear that the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Okay, so this man is standing before the altar of God. And I, I see him with his chest puffed up and his head held high and his hands are out. And he's saying, God, look how good I am. Do you know what I do for you? I tithe. I fast. I do all the ceremonial laws and I do them good. I do them so that everybody else can see how good I am. You know, God, I do that for you. That's how good I am. And he also then starts comparing himself, not just to other men, but to the very man who's praying next to him, the, the tax collector, the other man. Uh, thank you for not making me like other men, because I'm better. I am, I'm good. I do all these great things by my power, my strength, my reason, all these great things. And so again, he's turned on to himself. 
In fact, he doesn't need God to do any of these things. And the reason for these things is for to show how great he is, to show how good he is. And it's more than self-gratification. It's the earthly words of adulation. It's the earthly words, rewards of being noticed by other people. And now with this, how many times have you bumped into someone who's smarter? Uh, how many times have you bumped into somebody and you just know that their faith is deep and that you too wish that you could have that? And so there, there's something to that. I'm pretty sure that this man has been told, wow, I wish I could do that. I wish I could fast twice a week. I wish I could give as much money as you I. And so, I mean, there's probably grounds for this man to be pointing to himself and saying how good he is. But that last statement, and not any of the other uh, statements were all that great, but I thank you I'm not like this other man, this other guy who's praying next to him. And then we have the tax collector and his prayer. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. And that last statement was Jesus. And notice his prayer, the prayer of the tax collector, is really simple. In fact, it's just this one sentence. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He just lays everything out. He points to his full nature, his sinful, unclean nature. And he asks God to be merciful. He really lays his life down and asks for mercy and calls it as it is. I am a sinner. I do not deserve what you give, dear God. Have mercy upon me. He doesn't compare. He doesn't even try to say, I'm a worse sinner. I'm a, I do this, I do that. I am a sinner. God, have mercy on me. And that is just huge because this is repentance. This is concupiscence. Uh, this is the idea that... Um, that this tax collector knows he's a sinner and can only sin, and he shows and lays that to God. Now, God has been very clear. He punishes sinners. He punishes sin. And this man outright admits that that's exactly what he is and goes to the only place where he has hope, and that is God, asking for mercy asking for God to act even in the midst of his sin. And again, this is a huge thing because who wants to be punished? Who wants to be recognized for their sinful bad deeds? And again, it's not that this man is so humble. Oop, here, let me tell you all the bad stuff. He just makes the statement, the statement of confession. I am a sinner. Lord, have mercy. And then you hear Jesus. I tell you, this man went down from the house, from his house, 
justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbled himself will be exalted. And again, we heard the the prayer, and if you could see me, you could see my air quotes on that one. Uh, anytime that we have a chance to boast before God, I don't really think that's a prayer. I actually think, or like the idea that it's a resume of our sin, our self, our self-righteousness that is no righteousness. Notice he doesn't ask for forgiveness. He doesn't ask for God's help. It's, God, I did all these great things, and I don't need your help. I'll just keep doing these good things, because I'm not like these other guys who just wallow in their sins because they're so bad. Thank you for making me so good that I can do all these good things. And you wonder if he breaks his arm trying to pat himself on, on the back. But Jesus makes the great point. And the reason for prayer, the reason for repentance, the reason, reason for Jesus coming in the flesh, the sinner goes away justified because he recognizes that God is the only place for salvation. God is the only place for forgiveness. It's not in works. It's not in a great prayer. It's not in the money. It's not in the way we live, but it is in what God delivers and having faith in those promises, having faith in the work that God promises to give to us. And that simple statement, I am a sinner. God be merciful to me, a sinner. That statement just lays everything. And it is a, a humbling prayer because first of all, you are showing what and who you are. And at the beginning of this, in the introduction, the whole self-righteousness, uh, this is actually where I identify. It is so easy to look upon other people with contempt. Well, they don't do this. They can't do that. I do this. I do that. I, do you know how many hours I spend reading the Bible? Do you know how many hours I prepare for this, that? Do you know? So on and so forth. And you start getting this list and you can't help but start to exalt yourself. Do you know what I do? And even in prayer, when I hear these things seeping out and my complaints before God, and it's asking for more time, it's asking for more this, more that, and I realize so quickly how much God has given to me and how easy it is to take those gifts and look at those gifts as that's it. I have this and I did whatever. I used my time and I wrote this Bible study. I recorded this podcast. I wrote this sermon. I did, I did this. I did that. And it's always about what I did. And it is great to be humbled by God. And there's this great reminder. What did God do? in that, when he gave you that time, when he gave you the ability to do fill in the blank, how was that utilized for the gift of what God gives? Did this point to salvation? Did this point to love? Did this point to what you have in Christ? Which is the fullness of salvation? Which is the promise of forever? How are you living in a merciful life that means a gifted life how are you living a humble life and this isn't the whole we now run around and tell people oh i'm a sinner and god needs to be merciful to me 
This is the realization that God is merciful to you. And this is the gift of what we do not deserve, the promise of his love, the promise of his forgiveness, the promise of his life. And because we have this, because we go home justified, we are now freed. We no longer have that bondage of sin. We're not looking for the next, look what I did, look how I am. We're not looking for the next good work that is actually not a good work because it's just self-promotion. It's just self gratification it is just making ourselves feel good we don't have to look for those anymore because it's already been completed the good works have already been given delivered and done for on and through you and we get to live in this life this sanctified holy life a life of participation in god's love god's mercy god's grace god's forgiveness god's life and that is what is laid before us in these two men who pray. One who literally just prays to God to make sure God knows how good he is. And the other one prays to ask for God's goodness to be bestowed upon him. And this is a humble, humble reminder of what we have in the true gifts of God. This is such a great and amazing statement that our Lord lays for us, and it would do us good to take heed. Now, the, the text continues. Now, they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked him. But Jesus called to him, saying, Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belong the kingdom of God. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And I like how this is uh, connected, and I think these flow right into each other. And I'm not sure that they were one event and then later the second event, the, the rebuking of the parents bringing their children. I, I think this all happened pretty much almost at the same time. Uh, Jesus tells us par par parable, the parents bring their children and the disciples, nope, Jesus is too, too important for your kids, too busy for your kids. Let him do the important work. And Jesus shows that he has come to serve, not to be served. And he offers even to children, even to the smallest and weakest, he comes and delivers himself. And this is something that is so important. And this is not just about bringing your children to church. This is not just about going to church. This is about the understanding that God has come not for the righteous, not for the ones who have to promote and tell how great they are, but for the ones who understand that they need the mercy. God, help me. I am a sinner. Be merciful to me. I am a sinner. And this isn't the whole if then, if you say this, then God will do this. If you repent, then this. This is what we are when we understand our relationship with God. When the holiness of God is exposed to us, it exposes our sin. It doesn't expose our holiness. It exposes what we are before him. We are as useful and as good as a box of rocks. We are dead in our trespasses. And it takes him to not only make us alive, but keep us in these gifts. 
And this is what the parable opens to us. You, dear listener, have been blessed to hear God's word. And I hope that not only hearing God's word, it helps you understand where you are with God, that you get to hold out your empty hands. And in God's work, he fills you with the fullness of himself so that you will know peace, mercy, life, and salvation. Humble yourself, for the mercy of God has been given to you. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast platform. This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.